0: of the four Diego's is uh, in the studio <laughs> with me, it's Carlos Alberto Diego. Hello, is, is, mate. Is How that in numbers get?
1: of uh, Diego's or in weight?
0: Uh, both, I think. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. you know, after
1: Christmas and New Year, Kev, you know, <laughs> oh. I'm not as spelt as I... Uh, have been in the past, so uh, yeah, maybe carrying a little both. bit more of the Diego's weight at the moment. You but, and uh, me both. but it's good to be here, mate. It's uh, it's been just such a fantastic uh, summer of uh, not not only just sport because of the big bash in the in the Test cricket and, and also all the football, but just the number number of games nearly every night uh, of of Australian football too. Obviously they combat the whole big bash. You know, yep. uh, you know, how do you think they uh,
0: in in do you, do you think they've cut through and got the exposure that uh, the A League deserves? I think, that, well, I think they have. Yeah, I, so I, do not,
1: I. I don't think it's matched obviously numbers uh, that the big bash get because you know that's that's a that's something we've got to work on and uh, and also you know keep on working on the sport to make it a mainstream sport that everyone wants to watch like the cricket for example yep. uh, but it's you know they've they've responded quickly to the to the big bash you know uh, sort of al- almost an ultimatum there the, the gauntlet was thrown down we're playing every night for six weeks or whatever the big bash is and yep. and football wasn't playing every night uh, two years ago, wasn't playing every night the way, and and I thought they they probably didn't get the um, uh probably didn't get the you know the benefits from just keeping it the way it was. So they really thought about the fixture, and and I I I really do enjoy it. But then again, you know. Any game of football, well, yep. I'm not a good judge because any game of football, I'll watch it any time. I think the
0: schedule's been actually pretty good, to be honest. I think they've, they've planned it well. Uh, I think the Geelong game works really well. Yep. I think that's a good one to have in that, uh, that sort of New Year's week that they, they put that in. Uh, and I think uh, the press have... Uh, have given them their right uh, mileage yeah. and uh, exposure that they deserve. We've certainly uh, had a pretty good cooperation from both the Melbourne clubs and uh, the A-League in general with, you know, getting guests on and talking yeah. the game up and doing all that sort of stuff. So,
1: And I don't think, uh, also I don't think the, the, the attendances have suffered over this period at all. I mean, generally people are going, people worry about the holiday period, people going away, all that sort of stuff. But certainly the Big Bash attendances don't uh, suffer and, and the A-League attendances haven't suffered at all. In fact, I think, uh, you know, I look at something like a Melbourne City who, you know, who have in the last five or six weeks drawn seven or 8,000 depending on the night and depending on all sorts of circumstances. Well, in the last two games, they've got themselves around about the 11 mark. And, you know, so if that's, if that's your average, if that's, what they're, if that's what the core is now, already the Tim Cale factor and the Fornaroli Riley factor and the fact that they're doing it better this year uh, might be paying off as far as bums on seats too. So I haven't seen the Fox sports ratings or the viewership for City games. But certainly, I think there's more people coming through. Of course, nothing compared to Melbourne Victory, uh, but, you know, we can't... You know, it, it's it's oranges and apples yeah, with those guys is. there. You can't compare the two right now. Um, but they can only worry about themselves right now Melbourne City. We're
0: at the halfway mark of the season, mm. uh, though Victory have a game in hand against everybody else, except uh, Phoenix, obviously, with that game that was moved because of the uh, the earthquake situation. Uh, where do you see... Uh, have the two teams uh, lived up to your expectations of what you thought they'd do pre-season at this stage?
1: Geez, what I thought they'd do pre-season what victory's doing now is what i thought they would do pre-season because they had a very good pre-season yep. if you remember the, the friendlies against athletic madrid juventus they had some good young kids coming through of which some of them have gone there yeah, yeah that's right but uh, but so things changed pretty quickly uh, I, 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 did, I suppose it's not surprising what's happened in Melbourne City. I mean, they won on they won after the you know the post-John Van Skip announcement that he's gone. Uh, but I thought they'd have a little bit of a lull after the FFA Cup final. Such a big occasion for that club. Yep. Uh, you know, such a fantastic achievement. It's their first one. You can see, you know, even winners, hardened winners like Cale and Fauna Riley and Brandon and these guys, you know, uh, Colazzo and these sort of guys, uh, they're going to have they're only human beings. They're going to have a few downers, but their downers were one loss in five. Uh, so if that's going to be their slump, um, you know, that's not a bad slump to have. So, and they got back on the winning, you know, winning track last week against the uh, West Sydney Wanderers too. So um, yeah, if, if that's their bad patch, that's not too bad. So if, if I look pre-season and see where they are right now. It's not so different. Probably okay. I would have expected City to be maybe you know, a bit close to the victory, but you know, we're only just past the halfway mark. But I didn't expect what was going to happen to victory in the first five or six games of the season, where they were humiliated and embarrassed by what, City did to them in that first derby. And then it took them a while. I thought it just took them a while to get it right, to get that consistency right. They still had their down moments. And even going into that FFA Cup semi-final against uh, City and they got beaten the second time, that would have just been such a huge blow to that club, the pride of that club. And maybe some self-doubts coming in there amongst the players, not so much the coaching staff, but maybe the players. Uh, And for them to recover from that and doing what they're doing now and seeing the performance they put on against Adelaide on the weekend – uh, you know, and, and the form of the players like, uh, you know, Truizzi at the moment, you he's know, Ben fire. Kalfala, um, you know, Berisha. Berisha's um, been terrific in the last uh, yeah, four or five Rohas was a bit quiet on the weekend, but he's been fantastic up until the weekend. I mean, they are purring. They're a machine that's purring at the moment. And, you know, a team unchanged. Uh, probably for the fifth week in the row this week against Brisbane. So, um, yeah, it's terrific what they're doing, and they're playing as well as anyone at the moment, probably playing even better than Sydney at the moment. So I yep. uh, yeah, can't wait for that Australia Day, the big blue between Sydney and That'll Melbourne get, victory coming up very soon. Be
0: a beauty. Now, uh, that, that uh, begs the question... Uh, The City coach, now I heard Adam Peacock say here yesterday that there are 60 applications uh, on the desk at uh, at the City group. Yeah. Uh, And I would imagine they've come from all around the world, all different sorts of people. Kev,
1: what a waste of time those applications are. The City group would have known. There's no way John Van Skip would have just, you know, uh, of course the players found out mid last week. Uh, Maybe, you know, the, the coaching staff found out maybe a day before or whatever, but the club and the City group would have known because it was a long illness for yeah. for John Van Skip's father, and uh, and he would have been struggling with that with that decision for a while. It wasn't a spur of the moment thing. So I'm sure that he would have. He's a sort of bloke that would have allowed the club a chance to maybe take stock, um, you know, absorb the fact that he might be going. And they have contingencies for everything, the City Group. I mean, they would have coaches already in mind. They would have already probably spoken to people on the proviso. They may have even, may have even already spoken to a coach in the event that John Van Skip was going to leave at the end of the year. They don't leave that to that late. So okay. this, it's great to have 60 applications, but you're wasting your time, guys. If the <laughs> City Group haven't spoken to you, you know, now they're going to sit down and do interviews. I'll tell you, if they haven't spoken to you, they haven't headhunted you, forget about it. And uh, and this is where I think um, it's interesting what may happen. So what sort of coach are they looking for? They're looking for, I mean, Volcanis obviously yeah.
0: is in that difficult position yeah. where don't rock the boat of what is seemingly a, a, a good program, yet he probably wants the job, probably wants to have a crack at the job, but he can't really change a lot of stuff because they're in mid, they're mid-season. Yeah. So he can't come in and change a lot of all that stuff. So he's steering the John Van Skip ship, really. Yeah. Uh, so... Where does he sit? And are they looking for a coach? Are they looking? Popovich's name has come up. Yeah. Um, Amor's name's come up. Um, the Socceroo's uh, youth coach's name has come up. Who? Uh, Bow, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're all internal. They're all in Australia. Are we looking to England? Are we, mm. going, are we going to the City, New York team to find someone? Yeah. Where, where well, well the answer to that
1: is I don't know, Kev, except that you can look. I mean,. You talk about the John Van Skip philosophy and how they go about playing. Well, it's not really his philosophy. It's actually the city group philosophy. Yep. The, the philosophy that's probably driven by Pep Guardiola over in Manchester City. Uh, and, you know, what's demanded of New York FC and what's demanded of Melbourne City in the style of play. Uh, it's interesting in the early stages. And again, you know, it's chalk and cheese, but the early stages of the EPL, um, there were problems with Pep Gualeo, uh, uh imposing his style of football on Manchester City. They were conceding some really ridiculous goals. They weren't playing their possession game from the back. The players were struggling with this whole floating back three to back four and, you know, and just adaptability on the field. And, and it's interesting that I felt at different times this year, Melbourne City have struggled with yeah. that same philosophy. So yeah. it's almost like it's been, it's not imposed, but it's a philosophy for the club. You're to play in around these parameters of how we want you to play. And so, So John Van Skip was a perfect coach for Melbourne City in that respect because not only has he got the Dutch philosophy, but the Dutch philosophy that was influenced by Johan Cruyff, which almost, and it was his influence on Barcelona that's led them to where they are today. So the Dutch philosophy uh, uh, integrated into the Barcelona or the Spanish philosophy, which is now with Pep Guardiola and now back to us. So I think I'd be shocked if it wasn't, someone with that sort of background, a, a Gombau or a, a Amor, or, or if they can get a hold of those guys. Um, because, of course, Gombau was a youth team coach at Barcelona and Amor was, uh, was a legendary player at Barcelona. And he's well-loved and he's got that... that, 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 that that gentleman's approach, that softer approach, that are, that uh, that they sort of like that respectful approach to coaching.
0: His body language has been dreadful. Yeah, well, I, I think he's a man. Look, I,
1: I feel sorry for him because he really can't articulate because of the language barrier mm. uh, exactly how he's feeling, and so. Maybe what's coming out is not satisfying people. And he's not going to be able to expand and, uh, on what what he feels is going on and allaying the, the concerns of the fans on the weekend. Apparently there were protests and all sorts of things. So uh, they
0: they uh, had a crack at the board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And
1: so I, I feel sorry for a coach who can't sit down and articulate, uh, not for any fault of his own, he just doesn't have the language skills, yep. to, to be able to, you know, talk through what their issues are. And because he, he can't really do that, suddenly it's left to the board and other people to talk on his behalf and it's probably not communicating the right message. So, But to answer your question, I mean, there was, a, there was a suggestion on, on Fox Sports uh, on the weekend that, that there was a possibility that a British coach might come in uh, you know, a well-respected British coach who, who'd been a professional over in the UK for a long out time.
0: The, out of the city group system not? Yeah, well,
1: not? I, I, don't, I don't understand how that could happen. But again, you know, there could be British coaches who might adopt that philosophy and they might trust them. Or, Like I said, they'll headhunt who they want. They, they want. They're not waiting for people to apply. They'll, they'll headhunt who they want. They'll make sure it's not only the, the, like with the right experience and the, and the winning mentality, but also the right your temperament. The, the, the sort of guy that they want to represent their club. Do they need a
0: profile person that will put another four, five, six thousand bums on seats for City Games? Uh,
1: the the, the I'm type think, of. I'm yeah, the of type Harry of. Cure. Yeah, well, <laughs> whoever it is, has got to be able to walk in that change room when things are going wrong and for Timmy Cale and Bruno Fornaroli to look at them and say, how do we fix this? And what they say actually goes a long way to fixing what the problem is. So it it, it could be a big name, but the big name's got to command the respect in that change room. Um, these players, I mean, Tim Cale's been fantastic for City. He's scored goals. He's done the, the marketing side of things. He's, uh, he's, he's done nothing to put himself ahead personally in the change room from anyone else mm. uh has been pretty good this year too okay not as not as prolific as he was last year but he's he's been pretty good this year these guys are doing their bit so the manager who comes in has got to be a person who has got to be able to tap into their you know their 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 way of thinking and and getting the best out of these guys and i can't see a a guy who hasn 't got the experience like this that 's the only thing going for against someone like a Michael Valkanis for me because um, I just think when things get really really tough he 's got to come up with the answers for the uh, and to players who have been in some pretty big change rooms around the world and won things now that doesn 't mean he can 't do it, but i don 't think he 'll be given an opportunity to do it because maybe the city group will say they'll need, they need someone bigger in ego in this change room to make sure these guys are coming with him along along on the, on the ride with him. So
0: do you need to have been a, uh, a marquee player, kind of top of the range player, stroke coach, to, to walk into those change rooms? That well, it's do not,
1: I, I don't believe you have to be a great player or a marquee type player to be a great coach. Yeah. So you, it's really what You're your record agree. is and what your temperament is. But I think uh, you mentioned Carrie Kuehl before. and uh, Well, there's other people who have mentioned Harry cool He's just not ready. I mean, doing uh, Watford under-21s, yeah. I don't know what the, how they're going over there. He might have some potential, but he's not ready to, to be able to do a, a coaching job like this. But having said that, they might get him in, he'd be great. But uh, if, you've got to make a decision on what he's doing right now, um, where he is at in his coaching career right now. Mm. And I can't see him being, it, suiting the criteria that the city group would be looking for.
0: Uh, happy to get your thoughts on 94291116 or your text. Thoughts on 0433981116. Mick is in Kings Park. G'day, Mick. You know, boys, um, I'm i I'm a avid nicker fan, right? But I've been looking at the city game. The way they've got to stop it is number one, stop being sooks on the field because they die for everything. They might as well be in the swimming team. Two, they need a coach like Gumbow to come in from former Adelaide coach. And three, they need to stop individualising. They there are a bunch of individuals there, you know. It's the two main people and the way I look at it is
1: Tim Carl and Paul Neroli are the only two people in that side yeah, in profile Mick, in, in profile you're right. uh, you know, 're their, right their profiles are much bigger than the other players, but I think that they're guys who demand the most the best out of everyone else in that squad i i I, I sort of disagree. That they are individuals and they are about. I, I think you're suggesting they're about themselves, and they're not. I, I think that they're guys who are leaders in that team who are trying to get the best out and demanding the best out of everyone else. Uh, you've got to remember with Gombau too. People are are really you know um, espousing you know the, the attributes of Gombau, but he started off very slowly with Adelaide. If you remember, you know he was trying to get them to play a certain brand of football, and they weren't being successful. In fact he, he was probably on the verge of being sacked at one stage. So uh, and then you all clicked for them and like you did with uh Guillemot last year too. So, so Gombau's not gonna necessarily be the answer straight away but Citigroup can get anyone they want but they'll they I wouldn't be surprised if they went for someone who's already who knows the marketplace, knows the players, knows the league, and that's Gombauer and also More. I was walking in Memphis I was walking with my feet ten feet off a of beard.
0: Walking in Memphis but 29 past two, here on 11.16 sixteen SEN Melbourne Time of Sport. Carlos Alberto Diego is in the studio. Uh, Josh has given us a buzz on 94291116 from Sunbury. Hi, Josh. How are we, boys? Good, thanks.
1: Good, Josh. Look,
0: I'm a, I'm a Victory fan, but I've got to admit, I don't buy into the rivalry as much as others do Victory City. I think it's going to take a bit more, a bit longer to build. I understand where everyone comes from. Um, just on that call before that said City is a one-man team, look, my, I took my girlfriend to watch her first proper soccer match the other week. Uh, it was City versus Perth. She actually quite loved watching City play. Um, now, just an observation from that last call that said about victory, about City being a one-man team, I actually disagree with that. I think Victor, uh, City just relies heavily on Bratt, Branwich and Kamal. I think they've got a, quite a good spread, to be honest, So. I don't really know where that bloke is coming from. I mean, yeah, Cahill and Cornerolli score majority of the goals, but they're quite a good defensive side too, I think.
1: Absolutely, and I, and I think um, if you look, you know, back in that in the back half of the field too, Kilkenny, when he when he has room to move and he's in his uh, groove, uh, the way he spreads that ball away, he almost commands everything just in front of the back four, or when he floats into the, as a the centre half, Jacobson's fantastic. Um, you know, French has been very, very good. You know, the last couple of weeks was great for the Socceroos because we, we need a, a bit of depth in that right-back position. Uh, you know, Kamau's coming... Good again. I mean, he started off like a house on fire at the start of the year, and, and then he had that injury, and he's now just coming back, and I thought he was uh, relatively good the other week. So, yeah, it's, it's starting to come together. But like I said, I think they've all got to contribute. And that's uh, – so, by profile, he may – the, the caller may have been sort of suggesting by profile they're individuals, but on the field, I think they're, they're great team men and leaders for Melbourne City.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Good on you, Josh. Thanks for your call. We'll give you a $100 voucher from creatorwall.net. .au, custom uh, removable wall art for your home, your office, or your man cave. <laughs> good luck, Josh. Uh, John's and Moody Points. good day, John. Hi, Jens. How are you? Good,
1: yeah, thanks. good, John. Uh,
0: Carlos, with, uh, deform, I think with uh, victory and uh, the form, I think James Truisi has been a big factor.
1: Um,
0: considering coming back the second time around, his attitude has been totally, totally you know, three hundred and sixty degrees different than what it was when he first turned up. And also with the city, uh, city, the new coach in a perfect world for, for the a stability, I wish they would... Hey, John, pick your phone up, will you? You're obviously on speakerphone. I don't know what you're doing, but... <laughs> sorry. I think you went <laughs> from that's standing not... up right? You're doing a handstand or something there, John. Sorry, sorry. Is that better? Yeah, that's yeah, better. Bad. What was <laughs> the bit about the coach? Well, i just... For the stability of the no, we're definitely we're not going to get John's yeah. bit about the coach.
1: He must be, I think he's sitting on the phone.
0: Trevisi's uh, been terrific for him in the last, particularly oh, yeah. in the last three weeks. Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I think John was
1: referring to uh, James' the first stint at victory. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where. Where he was brought over by Ange and when Kevin Musker took over, he was... And I thought, yeah, he probably had, to, had the uh, attitude worked on a little bit. But he's been nothing but spectacular oh. since he's been back. I was a bit worried because he'd done sort of the rounds of Belgium and then uh, Middle East and in China. And he wasn't playing much in the Middle East and China. And you just wonder what sort of play you're getting back, what the attitude is. I've got a bit of a philosophy. I've got a bit of a, a theory that if you, if you go to Middle East or you go to China, you don't come back better players. Uh, so I'm not quite sure he came back a better of play because he spent time over there or because he's under the tutelage of Kevin Muscat and uh, he's demanding so much of him. And and as much as everyone's talking up James Therese, Kevin Muscat puts a lid on it. Uh, he did say something uh, very, uh, very quite funny for me the other day when uh, he suggested that would you know would would James look after himself at training if he's if he's going a bit hard and he goes no nah, he trains as hard as I tell him to I train. I saw that. I yeah. thought that was a really great quote. Yeah. Probably and he, you know he's sort of half tongue in cheek, but I think at the same time is the the message was really strong that he runs that that squad and they're playing for him and they'll do it. They'll do it the way he wants to play, and, and, and in the intensity he wants them playing it. In, in so, other
0: words, I'm coaching the team; <laughs> the players aren't coaching me. That's right. Yeah, no, that was very obvious that he mm. made that. Uh, even though, as you said, he did have a bit of a half grin yeah. at the time. Jackson Sakila, hi, Jack. Oh, good night, fellas. Um, yeah, what I'd like to talk about is the coaching position at uh, at uh, City? Melbourne City. Yep. Um, the
1: there's
0: there's also you've forgotten Aurelio Vidmar and his brother Tony Vidmar. Yeah, and uh, Aurelio was very successful in the A League. So with Adelaide, Adelaide United. So um, there, there's another two guys, and also Ernie Merrick's looking for a job. Yeah, so it's another bloke.
1: Well, all those guys, uh, Jack. All I mean, Aurelio had a lot of success with Adelaide uh, early on in his coaching career, and he, he probably tells you he probably wasn't ready for coaching at the time. Uh, but he had some good success there. But he's not really known for a philosophy of play. Um, and this is, and I, I just keep on thinking. As much as City haven't been saying anything publicly, it just seems like there's a philosophy of play. How you're supposed to play the game, and that's what they've sort of, you know, communicated not only to the way Mel- Manchester City have to play, but also Melbourne City and New York City. They seem to have this philosophy, and I'm not sure whether Kevin, uh, Aurelio Vidmar and Tony Vidmar have known for a philosophy of play. Uh, Ernie Merry is a, is probably the most successful coach we've ever had in the A League. Yep. Uh, but, you know, whether he's known for the type of philosophy that uh, City Group, I mean, only they would know. He's available. He's the most successful coach. I'll tell you what, it'd be a big shock for me if he got it. But at the same time, that, you know, he could be very successful with that team.
0: So do you think you have to come with a philosophy or you come and you have to enact their philosophy?
1: Well, I think you have to be known. For, look, there's no point getting someone who coaches in the pub leagues and uh, parks a bus all day and uh, just wants to kick the living daylights out of it and just get them and say, come and coach our philosophy. I think you've got to be known. Uh, you've got to actually put together the coach who, who understands and would be probably known for the way the city group want the team to play oh and God. bring them in. Uh, and also with all the other stuff, not only the way the, the game is supposed to be played, but also, again, the, I think the biggest thing at this level is the respect in that change room are they going to stick by you when things go wrong? Are those players going to have faith in what you do when things go wrong? I think that's ultimately, whether it's the Real Madrid change room, the Barcelona change room, or the Werribee City change room, yep. it doesn't matter. It, it, it's, it's basically, is this coach doesn't matter what his name is what he's done in the past is this coach going to solve our problem when things go, don't go wrong
0: and that's when you can have as many philosophies as you want yep. but when it all when the when someone <laughs> knocks all the cookies over off yep. the, off the table someone's got to pick them up and find a new way to do it that's, and that's that's what you need yeah yep. I, know, I agree
1: the music let's do
0: and time to Sport. Carlos Alberto Diego is in the studio. The four goes back on again on
1: Wednesday night. Where yep. every night we've actually more than you this week, Kev. Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, oh, and the disco night nights? is Saturday night. we I uh, got three hours on Saturday night. we have actually we've got the we've got the stretches out in the uh, out in the newsroom. No one's here at the moment in the newsroom, so we've got the stretches out there. We're just living luxury, here at the moment. Luxury, three hours, luxury. <laughs> one sport, one one sport for no, three hours, is, Kev. Yeah, that
0: is hard. Yeah, that no. is very hard. Uh, well, uh, the. I asked the question going into the break. How well is Kevin Musket coaching right now?
1: Well, you know, there's always differing opinions about Kevin Musket. He just divides people, and that probably stems from his playing days. And you he know. loves it. And he, well, I don't know if he loves it, but he oh, certainly he's he dealt does. with it, and he <laughs> and he sort of uh, moves on, moves forward. Um, you go back, when you're when you assessing Kevin Muscat this year, I think you go back to the preseason and how well the boys were set up and what it was looking like then. Yep. And then they hit the brick wall in that first game. As I said before, embarrassed and humiliated with the performance against Melbourne City in that derby uh, and just didn't get it right for four or five weeks. It was just inconsistency and, uh, you know, disappointing performances. And even we were doing the final whistle shows after some of those games and people were calling for a, a sacking of Kevin Musket and sacking of Berisha and all that's how, that's how bad it got. Um, you know, there were questions I, I certainly felt that they hadn't replaced Finkler They certainly hadn't replaced Milligan uh, And there were some question marks about whether you know They were missing Barbarousas also yep. And, and I Del, thought, Pierre's, the other and Del Pierre's the other one too So there were, there were question marks all over the place And it was just this inconsistent performance You can see the frustration in the fans And also even in the coaching staff and the players at times yep. uh, From that to where we are right now Well, people can give the credit to the players if you want but for me, that's just a master class of coaching. You know, the ability to, you know, get in Barisha's ear when he wasn't scoring and people were calling for his head and just say, I'm backing you, mate. You, you just keep working hard on the track and you'll be fine. Ben Kalfala, who early on... Was sulking and you know, when he was t- getting taken off, and he was on the bench, and Austin was starting before him, and, and he wasn't, you know, he was being criticised for not pressing high enough with all the rest of the team when in the, in the f- defensive duties. Yep. And suddenly, look at Ben Kalfala right now. You've got to give the coach the credit for that. Yep, Aldi Bazanchi's playing his best football since he's been at Victory right now. And, you know, suddenly question marks over Milliken's is not there anymore. Yep. You know? Um,
0: well, Carl Valeri coming back and uh, yeah. being over that, he, he's, he's played that pivotal role. He's allowed Buzanic to play his best game. Yeah. That, 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 that combination now is working yeah. perfectly. But
1: there's no accident that all these guys are playing their best football right now. Oh, and absolutely. they're playing and they're understanding, by the way, it's, it's only fleeting. The minute you drop off your intensity, the minute you're not playing, I've got guys like Austin on the bench, I've got Ansel on the bench, I've got Igham on the bench, and these guys tend to make an impact when they come on. So uh he's got that beautiful feel, that momentum that's built around intensity at training and playing and knowing that you if you get complacent at all, you're out of that side. And I think that's just an environment built under pressure by a coach and that's damn good coaching. Yep. And for me it's a master class of coaching. Okay. And there's not many coaches that can do that.
0: Off the SMS uh, Justin wants to know, Maxie Beister, will he be a starting player for victory? I thought he was uh, meant to be a star for us, but he looks disappointing and isn't even getting decent minutes off the bench. Well, he wasn't even on the bench.
1: Well, I'm Kevin Musk had answered that question prior to the Adelaide game and yep. said, uh, we're not here to gift anyone a game. It doesn't matter who's come from overseas and where we've recruited. We're not gifting anyone a game. Um, and I think that might have been a message that may he may be either working too hard at training, and he might just be a bit fatigued because he's got a bit of catch up to do, mm. or he might not be training as hard as he should be. Um, I thought he did okay against. Um, he came on in a goal. Was it Sydney? No, it's not Sydney. West Sydney when they beat him four 0 over there. Uh, so he came. He started that game, and I thought he he, he gave it he gave them something. Uh, but certainly, who do you replace? Do you replace Rojas? Do you replace? Uh, Barisha? Do you replace Easy? Do you replace Ben Kalfala? No there's, no, there's no do, room. Do, so just keep on do. banging down the door <laughs> at training and see yeah. where you go from there.
0: Uh, Michael's in Sunshine. Hi, Michael. Thanks for calling us.
1: My pleasure, mate. Uh, Carlos, you're a marvel, mate. Uh, I, love the way, I love the way you described uh, the there. That was fantastic of you. But um, look, if you had a look at the uh, victory side last year, they definitely met a couple of brilliant midfielders to feed the ball to Berisha. That was what was, what was what was lacking, I thought. This year, haven't they thrilled us a bit? Come on, you must be excited to watch these guys just keep on pumping the ball in there and just bringing the game alive. Every threshold is something to be proud of and I just think it's fantastic what the victory's done, mate. So whether it's musky or other people around it, but whatever it is, it's just fantastic to watch at the moment, is it not? Yeah, the, the, the culture is set by the coach. I mean, the playing culture, the club culture is set by years and years of of you know throughout their existence, but the the playing culture and the expectations are set by the coach, and of course that flows onto the coaching staff, and they know their role also, and the leaders of the team. Uh, they i watching them play against a desperate Adelaide on the weekend. Uh, I thought or last week, or Friday night, I think it was. Uh, it was just it was brilliant to watch because they didn't have it all their own way the whole game, but you knew. That they were up for the battle in thirty-three to thirty-four degree yeah, heat, and and they and there was no excuses. They still pressed high. They still had to work very hard very hard. There was no just because it's hot, we're going to just sit back and just exo- no. We're going to go hard. We're going to back ourselves. Uh, and when those four, you know, the the, the four prongs—Troisi, uh, Barisha, Rojas, and uh, and Ben Kalfalat—when they get let loose against, especially when there's a turnover um, in certain areas for the other side. Uh, it's just frightening. The, the, I don't know how, how some the, the defence of the opposition or the, or the goalkeeper you know, really can keep their composure because when they go at you, they know exactly what to do and they can catch you up. Uh, and as much as it wasn't super, super dominant uh, last Friday, it, you always knew they were in control and they just did the business. And that, they're in that frame of mind just doing the business now mm. uh, but not doing it where there's any complacency at all. They're really a, a really uh, purring machine right now, Melbourne Victory.
0: Michael, thanks for your call. Really good question from Krasa, which is unusual in itself, um, off the SMS. How is Rojas not a success overseas? Uh, given what we've seen this year, yeah. it's a good question. Yeah,
1: it's, it's interesting. Uh, it, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe he was picked up by Stuttgart, and they had high hopes for him yep. in the German Bundesliga. Uh, and I, I, I'm pretty sure when he went there, he either got injured straight away or there was a change of coach. There was some, I'm sure our listeners would know the exact situation, but those sort of things happen. You go there, you're, you're raring to, to make an impression, you really want to establish yourself in this club, and suddenly either injury or the coach is sacked, who bought you, and the new guy comes in and says, well, who are you? you know you're you're you're, you're (laughs) you know you're not you're not such a big guy and you're from New Zealand what do I got you know there's other guys from around the world I can pick up so so I'm not sure whether it was a coaching issue or whether an injury but it did set him back when he first got there he was just catch up from there and they Stuttgart had a like a second division team that he went off and played there for a few games but he hardly played at Stuttgart it's only in in the year before or the season before he came to victory he was in Switzerland playing there and he he sort of put together about 30 games, 30, 33, 34 games. And so he, he did come back having played a little bit of football in Europe, but with a point to prove too. Mm. And, uh, geez, hasn't he exploded? It, it's been fantastic. And that's, you know, when you've got someone like him, uh, you suddenly don't lose Barbarouss for me uh, when something like you just forget about Barbarouss because this guy, is, I think, is even better than Barbarouss.
0: Someone's saying he got a broken leg in his first practice match. Yeah,
1: something like that. Well, I know Bernie Ebeney, unless it's the same. Bernie Ebeney had the broken leg in Belgium when he first went in his first training session. He broke his leg. So maybe maybe uh, Rojas had the same. But I know he had some issue early on.
0: 7-3 here at 1116 SEM, Melbourne's home of sport. And home of the A-League this
1: week, whoa, two games. Absolutely, but just before we go, tomorrow night on the Diego's Wednesday night edition, hmm? we're actually speaking to Kaz Batafta. Uh, all the oh, Melbourne okay. Victory fans would know Kaz uh, yeah, has been yeah. a young uh, prodigy in uh, Australian football and he was at Victory for a while. Well, at the tender age of 22 or 23, he's actually a CEO of a professional club in Laos. Is he really? Absolutely. I don't think he's playing anymore. I think he's just throwing his hat into, uh, into the ring of uh, administration. And uh, and I just thought it was just, uh, a really riveting type of story. So we're uh, getting him on and speaking on the Diego's tomorrow night. Casper Tapta. Lovely, oh, lovely guy. Good so,
0: stuff. And then Thursday night, uh, we've got live uh, the uh, City game on uh, Thursday. Yep, against Satellite. Uh,
1: absolutely. We'll do the final whistle after that. And then Friday night, uh, we've got the Melbourne victory versus Brisbane Roar. What a big game that is. Brisbane Roar will be up for that one. And. Uh, And, of course, we'll do the final whistle after the broadcast there, too.
0: All right. Now, we're talking about uh, coaching. We're talking about Kevin Musket. Mm. Uh, Is he a potential – is he the next Socceroos
1: coach? If we had more time, I would love to throw it out because – Give us a quick call I don't know. I'm not not sure whether anyone has seriously considered Kevin Musket as being a replacement for Ange Postacoglu. Do we have to start thinking about that? I think so. I'd be surprised if Ange stayed after the next World Cup. Win or – you know, not win or lose, but, I mean, if they do well or don't do well, I think he he has – Shelf life, uh, Ange himself. He just yep. moves on to the next big thing, which means we need to start thinking about who the next coach is going to be. And the flavour of the month is an Australian coach. I think with what Ange has done, they'll look at Australian coaches, uh, you know, a lot closer. And I, uh, the only three that I can think of at the moment are uh, Arnold, Popovich, and you've got to throw Musket in that now, right now. Why
0: wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, well, a lot of people wouldn't, you know. And the suggestion that uh, Kevin Musket could maybe. Be the next coach of Australia. That, I think that would divide people. But you've got to, you've got to
0: dismiss Kevin Musket, the player, out of the equation. You've got to dismiss that. That's it. Absolutely. Just, you've got to forget that. Yeah. You've Got to get over it. Is uh, it different, different.
1: No, the football fans, uh, Kevin. You know, working <laughs> a sport, they're like <laughs> elephants. Long, <laughs> me- long memories, mate. They, don't, they don't forget.
0: And they sit in the corner of the room. Apparently, yeah. most of them. Uh, <laughs> Roberts in Caroline Springs. Hi, Robert. How
1: you going, guys? How are you? Yeah, good, good Rob. Absolutely. You know, certainly in relation to Kevin Muskett, Lockaroo, I reckon it's still early days. Anyway, um, he's doing a mighty fine job at victory. So. Oh, we talking about 2019 though, uh, after the next yeah. World Cup, there, Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah possibly. Listen, the, the way he's got the boys together since um, the start of the season, well, in the slump, yeah, it's been really good. But just, we'll see how we go. But my question to you, Carlos, Um now yeah, I'm thinking, you know, in, in the next couple of years. Um, possibly even next year. Obviously, um, you is know, aging and all that kind of stuff. Slow down the yard or two. Thinking someone, maybe victory goes someone for a McLaren. What are your thoughts on that? Well, he's a, he's a Victorian boy. He's a Melbourne boy and his family's here. And there has been rumours at different times that he, he'll come back to, to Melbourne. Um, they, need some, they certainly do need some depth. The, the two areas, they're, they're going along beautifully right now, but the two areas, I don't think they've got Depth is, is uh, the, you know, the, the Berisha type player. Uh, well, Howard's the backup, isn't he? Yeah, he's too young. He's, just, yeah. he's not going to be as prolific as Berisha oh, no. and as, uh, as dominant as Berisha Bar- is uh, in that position right now. He's not ready for that. And I think Troisi, I think we, they struggled when he wasn't there with the injury. I don't think they've got the player to, to can do that job for you. But you don't get someone in who expects a senior game right now uh, as part of your depth, you've always got to try and find someone who can come in and do a job when these guys are injured until they're ready to move on. But certainly, uh, Rob, I think uh, Jamie McLaren is a, certainly a big chance. Uh, but I think he's got designs on getting overseas again too. He's a kid who probably didn't didn't reach uh, what he wanted to when he was at Blackburn Rovers uh, overseas uh, in, as a, an earliest in a few years ago, and I think he wants to go back over there too.
0: Robert, uh, thank you very much for your call from Caroline Springs. Give you, uh, give you a couple of tickets to see Victory Take on uh, The Raw on Friday night. Uh, at uh, Amy Park starts at uh, 7.50, so you can uh, head off to that. And then, of course, jump in the car on your way home, listen to the Diego's uh, straight <laughs> up. What, what a good night. And when hey, you're going Diego out to the night, disco on uh, <laughs> yeah, Saturday <laughs> night,
1: we're on Saturday nights now too. Headphones in. Absolutely. Just as you're going off your disco, your <laughs> nightclubs, just stick it on. Keep it on, yeah. You got the app. Yeah, absolutely. Just listen to us in the nightclubs. Yeah, everyone has their phones out
0: in nightclubs <laughs> anyway. No one'll know what you're doing, and you'll be sitting there listening to the echoes. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> hey, The young boy that um, that went to um, uh, Holland uh, from the victory was Thomas Ding. Uh, no, the other one, uh, uh, Seb Pasquale. Yes, yep. Seb Pasquale. Was he the Troisi uh, era parent? Yes,
1: apparent? yes. I think that. that Maybe, maybe, yeah, good point there. I reckon they've got
0: that, they have had that plan yes. in, and then all of a sudden someone's come and cherry-picked him and said, you're coming over here yes, to see us in Holland.
1: Absolutely, and he probably would have thrown that balance, that squad balance that we're talking about. So you're, you're right, Kevin, and yeah. I don't think they've found the replacement, but where do you find a prodigy? I mean, because that's what we're talking about. and Because uh, it's got to be a play not overly concerned about playing every week for yeah. 90 minutes, it's got to be a player who's happy to come in and do a great job. I and think uh, City have City, got a couple like that. You know, Daniel Lazani. is a, a young boy. Oh, I've seen a little yeah, bit oh, of him, yeah. Precocious type yeah. uh, who apparently, as a young, young kid, throws himself around at training a bit with, with all the big, uh, big millionaires that are playing on, oh, in that okay. squad. So they're the sort of guys you, you know, these clubs should be trying to unearth. And I'm, I'm sure they are yep. trying to unearth them, but uh, they're the ones that they've probably missed, they don't have one of those at the moment, maybe. Okay. So
0: uh, look forward to uh, tomorrow night uh, from uh, uh, the nine o'clock, ten o'clock. From ten o'clock tomorrow 10 o'clock night. Yeah. Oh, sorry, no, sure? Wednesday night's eleven o'clock. Oh, sorry, uh, it's eleven o'clock. See, that's why I can't keep, but <laughs> you can't keep. Yeah, up. yeah, And then after the yeah. game on Thursday night, and after yeah. the game on Friday night, and then disco, disco. time, <laughs> oh, oh, party time. The mirror ball and the So <laughs> You could want anything more than that on a Saturday night. Thank you, Carlos. Thanks, mate. Good on <laughs> you. Always good to catch up. Carlos Alberto Diego in the studio.